All right, so today the lie that we're dealing with is that it's okay to push the envelope, experiment, or redefine sexual boundaries. And I think the main concept from Scripture is that God's boundaries are there to protect us, right? And that includes boundaries in this area of sex and uh, temptation and uh, all those types of issues. Lust, obviously. And so today we're going to go through the filter, like always. We're going to see what Scripture has to say about it, what, what scriptural principles would govern. And then we're going to look at the 21 signs of deception and see how, how they apply. And we're going to go to the history of sexual experimentation and the fruit of it, the fruit that it produces in us and in others, and go from there and try and see whether or not this lie is legitimate, or this myth, as we're calling it. Okay? So the first group is going to deal with scripture that specifically relates to this, and that is you guys. Okay, why don't you go for it? Obviously, God created sex, and uh, a lot of times, especially in Christian circles, when we talk about sex, it gets a negative connotation. But the fact is, God created us and created sex, and that you know that's just how you know, we wouldn't be here looking for sex. So as long as we're in the, uh, you know, as long as we're following God. Even in sex, then you know it's not a sin. God didn't create it to be a sin. It's when we misuse it that it becomes a sin. Yes. Basically. So that's what 
talking about the principles. Um, and it was, we're going to start off with pretty much what Jack was saying in the beginning <coughs> on this idea of oneness. And basically Genesis 2.24 talks about how a man and a woman, you know, should be as one flesh. Kind of summarizing what the verse is about. And God's basically telling us that. And he wants us to obey that because it's for our own good and our own interest. And it's what is going to glorify him in the process. What was that verse on glorification? Um, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Exactly. So we want to obey him in that area because he's done this for our own good. And like you said, he wants us. Like he created sex for a reason, but it's meant for that oneness, for a man and a woman's one flesh. Um, but anything that falls outside of that category could be considered like sin, because it isn't oneness, because it hasn't been concealed. Um, and that's where um, I'm going to go into this concept of boundaries. Like basically, Proverbs seven through uh, seven, six through twenty-seven talks about. I don't know if you guys have heard of the adulterous woman prostitute of the guy, you know, that like goes by her window every day and whatnot and like like it kinda like he kinda lets his heart go and then that's like like you were talking about like how lies can start from small things and just expand. That's basically what happens. Like things just go downhill. Like he doesn't have his boundaries set pretty he doesn't have them set firm and that's what leads him to like basically falling. And he lies to himself and thinks that he's going to be okay when he's not. We have to be firm with our, with our boundaries so that we don't fall out of this category of, of oneness and experiment, I guess, sexually outside of that category. So those are basically those two principles. Jim, you want to keep going? Yeah, so we easily covered these three. Um, Matthew 5.28 says, uh, if a man uh, lusts after a woman, he's already committed adultery in his heart. So basically, um, whether you are, you know, just thinking about a girl or actually committing that act of adultery, um, you've already committed adultery in your heart if you just lust after that woman. Um, it's, uh, Matthew 12, 34 uh, says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, so the way your heart is, that's how your actions are going to reflect what you're doing. <coughs> I didn't write that one down, but that's why it's important it was Matthew 12, 34. First uh, Timothy 4, 12 uh, says, uh, be an example in life, love, uh, and purity. Basically, that's it. I paraphrase, but uh, that's a really good one because it directly looks at purity. Um, yeah, and then just the last, just really good one, uh, is First Corinthians thirteen four through eight that talks about what love is. Um, I'm just gonna read the first two verses. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Uh, verse five says, or rude. It does not insist on its own way. So love is not selfish. Um, marriage is often marriage and sex are often looked at in a selfish way. What can it do for me? How can it benefit me? But it's saying here that love is very selfless. It's about the other person, not about yourself. So that's it. Yeah.
Alright, deceptions. Alright, the first one, emphasis on signs and wonders. Which is, we didn't check it off, but I guess I could have, like, there's this thought in like, my head, you know, just the first thing I thought was like astrology, you know, people like, oh, this sign means I match up with the horse. I don't know, there's just like some signs in that. And some people can just believe that lie and that deception. But we still kept it unchecked because it's like wonders, you know, like miracles. So the next one, division among believers. And this one, we checked. I mean, there's this huge argument, like, people well, like, you know, going you know? Like, is sex okay? Is, like, masturbation okay? Is experimentation okay? Lusting after anybody, you know? Like, some people think it's okay, and then others are like, no, it's not okay. And, like, that totally just separates us. Not just divides us. Flattering, nice-sounding arguments that are actually empty but deceive the naive. And this is very true because it sounds nice to say, oh, you can have sex, you can do this and that before marriage, but really it's just a whole bunch of empty words that, so if you have sex before marriage, it's, it's, a, it's an empty promise. It promises so much, but it doesn't deliver. And then, fourth one. Distraction from simple and pure devotion to Christ. This is a definitely a yes because it's a when you're focused on having having sex before marriage, it it distracts from serving Christ because you're what you're doing is just serving yourself. So the next one, number five, which is foolishness, which is yes. Mark. If like I know that like in Proverbs it talks about like drops saying like adulterous women, the uh, immoral or immoral women stuff. It talks about like how foolish it is, you know, to think of yourself to be to think of that and to fall into that. And that's just totally foolish, you know, and people think that it's okay to think of that stuff, but God says it's like not, right? So that's a check mark. Physical roughness. Which we checked, marked, said yes, and basically what that is is the one thing I thought of was uh, in like First Corinthians six, like nineteen, it says like our bodies are like holy temples, and I want you to treat them that way. And by like like defiling our bodies, doing like sexual acts, sexual experimentation, like that's sort of a like sense being like rough for our bodies and even in uh, like abusive relationships and like people like oh I love him but he stays with her because, or stays with him because he loves him even though he like beats her up and stuff so we check that one off Christian dating site that had some some verse of Psalms like follow your heart 
it had a sign Christian dating site, but that was that's not what it meant. Those just completely ripped out of context. Then eight special revelation from God, an uncommon form of Christianity. You thought um, yes, because uh, people would say it's like, oh well, yeah, God wants me to. God thinks we should date, and God thinks we should definitely have sex. It's like that's definitely not right. We shouldn't be treating, uh, be saying that Scripture allows that kind of thing in front of people. Nine speculation and fruitless discussion. Well, I guess within like the world, I, I guess mainly believe that sex is okay, you know, like you'll see movies, like there's going to be sexual content in there, and everybody thinks that's okay, you know, and that just leads to more and more fruitlessness, and it doesn't lead to anything really good, but even when, like, on the other side, especially even with, like, us, you know, when we talk about this issue, it's, it can be very fruitful, you know, and this is a very serious issue that a lot of us deal with, you know, and a lot of us struggle with and all that stuff, so it can be fruitlessness, and because, like, sex, you know, it's, God made it to be good, but it's us that make it bad. And that just leads to a lot of different bad stuff. Then, distractions from dooming God's work by faith. That's a huge one. If you think that you're not being distracted by blessing after anyone, or having sex, or having sexual experimentation, you're being totally fooled. I mean, you're totally distracted. God wants you to be his only side, his only focus, and if you're dabbling in any of that stuff, you're falling from God and being distracted. So that's a definitely yes. Eleven was confidence without understanding, and we thought that was uh, a, a yes because you could say that, oh yeah, God wants me to do this, but really you don't know the scripture, you don't know the, the biblical principles that, that guide us and say the opposite. And then the, continue to go further and further away from the truth, they get crazier and crazier. And we thought that was a definite truth because like, you could start off saying like, oh, well, it's okay if I do this, but then it gets worse and it wor worse and worse. It's kind of like if you're going on a water slide and you step on the, you get on the slide and you start sliding down, there's not much that's going to keep you from going all the way down the slide. And it's going to, it's going to keep on getting worse and worse. Strange doctrines, myths, and stories which differ from sound doctrine, which I guess kind of fall into the whole like misunderstanding. Too, with, like you can take scripture out of context and like believe in this, like sex is okay or this is okay, and like there's those lies and deceptions that people fall into, I guess. So sounds like a maybe, yeah, type thing that we can really kind of figure out. So maybe if you guys have anything more, I'd help me out. But yeah, then a uh, hidden agenda or myth or hidden agenda or secrecy about true beliefs and teachings. She said yes, because somebody could profess that they're like a teacher of God or a man of God, but then they're like their hidden agenda is to like teach us like kind of false teaching sometimes and leads us in the, the wrong way, which is 
bad in some bad ones. And then uh, 15 was sensuality and appeal to people's fleshly desires and emotions, which we thought was definitely true. Like, the only reason you want to do this kind of stuff is because it feels good. And feeling good isn't bad, but it's it's bad when it when it's you're doing it for selfish reasons and it's only going to benefit yourself or you're trying to <coughs> use or manipulate someone else. And then um, 16, Jesus, Christianity gets a bad rap. And that's very true if you few non-Christians would know, for example, if I was like I was sleeping around and say, wow, that's a, that's a that's what Christians are all about. That's a that's a bad representation for Christ. It's not that's not I don't think Christian would be all about that. That's it seems like a it seems like a hypocrite to me. Okay. Greed and materialism. Yes. I mean, if we're doing this, all this stuff, like sex and stuff, and sexual experimentation, we're not doing it for someone else. We're doing it to please us and find that satisfaction that we want to find. And so that's being greedy, you know? You're doing something just for you and only me. And you shouldn't be doing that. You should be trying to please other people, but not in like sexual and sexual desires and all that stuff. And materialism, yeah, I mean, like, things of this world, you know, like, in our world, like, sex is a huge thing, and just become materialistic and all that stuff. And then also, he said, yes, I'm taking advantage of people, which is kind of the same thing as greed, you know, like, you don't go into a relationship most of the time to really go out and see the <coughs> other person, and, like, if you do have any sex or sexual experiment with that, like, your spouse or whatever, not spouse, your partner, like, you're not doing that for them, like you're only you're doing that to take advantage of them and using them for your own like desires and your selfish needs. So that's a yes. Then uh, 19 was pride, and we thought this is a yes because you're not doing it for it to be humble. You're not doing it to serve anybody else. You're doing it just to make yourself feel better in a way to make your and yourself a, an inflated ego. And that was definitely yes. And then um, promise of freedom and promise of freedom or something more. We thought this was a definite yes too because sex before marriage promises so much. It promises, oh, you're going to be fulfilled when you have sex. Oh, you're going to, you're not going to be lonely when you have sex before marriage. But that's not true because it's a, it's an empty promise. After you have sex, you, you just keep on needing more and you, you need more and more. And this, this doesn't deliver. Last one, non-Christian actions. So, I guess, you know, like, we go and do non-Christian actions that other people see, you know. Just going back to the bad rap thing, you know, like, we're going to misrepresent God, what he really wants for us, and we're acting not for Christ, we're acting for ourselves, not for Christ himself. And, yeah, it's definitely a big one. So that's a check mark.
All right, um, I'm going to be looking at the history, um, kind of the sex and stuff, sexual immorality. Um, first thing that I kind of saw was uh, the verse that Jack mentioned um, in Genesis, that God created a helper, and the helper was for man, and I was woman, obviously. <laughs> so I just kind of wanted to grab that and just show that that was just God created man and woman being together. Um, the original Greek word for sex, sexual immorality, is koiath, and um, that's referred to as laying down, resting, the marriage bed of adultery, cohabition, whether lawful or unlawful sexual intercourse. And um, I just want to read Romans 13, 13. Oh. And that says, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. So, um, that's kind of telling us right there, don't be uh, doing that. <laughs> and so, um, next I want to look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9. And um, that says, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immorality, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders. Um, and those all kind of will be the unrighteousness. And, you know, that's saying right there. Um, the unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God. The next, First um, Thessalonians four three. Um, I kind of wanted to um, read the first two verses before this. It says, "Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus." It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Um, so that kind of, I really like that verse. And, you know, it's God's will that we shouldn't be taking part in sexual immorality and um, sex and stuff like that. And it's given by the authority of God, so that really, um, really enforces it that much more. And then... Um, I looked at the Hebrew word of immorality because I just kind of want to see um, sexual immorality, and that is hms. It's H M M Z. That's how you say it in Hebrew, and um, that means plan, device, wickedness, evil plan, mischievous purpose, adultery, idolatry, or harlotry. Harlotry. So. Um, yeah, and then I just want to look at one last verse in Jude. Um, Jude 1.7 and it says in a similar way Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire and uh, I looked kind of in that verse too um, what it meant the sexual immorality, and I also found that in Greek, um, 
how you say it in Greek for sexual immorality is pornoa, and it actually has um, the word porn in it, which I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> I don't know, but, but Sodom and Gomorrah were two cities that were destroyed by God um, in His judgment because of pretty much what they were doing. And um, sexual immorality would probably lead to God destroying them. So, that's what I got. Wow. Alright, these verses are that. Maybe you go ahead, yeah. Alright, so I focused on fruit and... Um, Two things that really jumped out to me. First of all, Nate showed me some uh, just stats on, um, I guess, the fruit of sexual immorality. And it, one of the stats said that people who uh, live together before getting married are five times more likely to get separated than those who um, just go straight into marriage. So that's a show, like, it shows um, kind of the fruit of what sexual immorality can do to you. Um, in Corinthians 6, 18... Or actually, 6.16, it says, uh, <clears throat> Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a harlot is one body with her? For he says, the, the two will become one flesh. But, you, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. So what that's saying, first of all, is that if, you, um, if you're going to participate in sexual immorality, like, it's gonna, you're going to become one flesh with that person, and if you keep doing that, you're going to become one flesh with your other partners, too. And if you ever do try to get married, you're already going to have given parts of yourself to other people. And so that's really going to, you know, it's going to affect how you, uh, how that relationship goes. And um, the other thing I saw is just, as far as relationships go, um, is that it takes away from God, too, because it says in there, you can either join your spirit to God or you can join it to a harlot, you know, so you can't, you can't be joined to both. So they'll also take away from your relationship with God, which is probably the worst fruit that you bear through that. And then also, I was just thinking about it, um, I was watching a show about sexual predators on CNN, I think, and they went out and interviewed a bunch of these guys, and every single one of them said that it started either with porn addiction or um, they were abused as a child sexually. And so, like that shows you, whoever abused them sexually would probably start out the same way. So it has this um, adverse effect, just like this snowballs, you know, it gets worse and worse, and spreads to other people, and um, causes more and more just depravity. So, um, yeah, it's one of those things that can start small, get bigger and bigger, gets away from you. Um, also, <coughs> later on, First uh, Corinthians six. It's uh, 18, I think. Yeah. Flee immorality, every other sin that a man commits is outside his body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. So this this whole passage is talking about how your body is a temple for the Lord, and if you are participating in sexual immorality, you're, um, you're sinning against the temple that God lives in. So you're sinning against God in a very, very intimate way. Um, so I guess that's what I got for that. Yeah. All right, okay, I'm just going to close it out here.
So, is this interesting to you guys that when we look at these different issues, they kind of line up across the board? Isn't that what you'd expect from God's Word? You wouldn't expect it to just be kind of like yes over here and over there. But I love how you can look at the principles, you can look at the direct scriptures, the, uh, the deception criteria, the history, the fruit, and they all line up pro or con. And it'd be interesting sometime to apply these same filters to something that we know is good, like evangelism. What does scripture say about evangelism? What are the principles, you know? We could apply the same things. And, uh, and it's just awesome to me how God's Word always agrees with itself. Okay, and I wanted to make a note, too, that if, if you've been hurt sexually or if you've gone too far sexually, there's healing. Uh, none of us are beyond God's grace and healing, and, and He can heal you and restore you and bring you into marriage complete. Uh, those boundaries are there for our own good. We already kind of mentioned that. And it seems like Scripture is really clear about this. And sex isn't bad. Some, a few of you mentioned that. It's great, but it's great in the right context, just like a lot of things would be bad in the wrong context. Howard Hendricks, who is a great Bible teacher, Put it this way, we should not be ashamed to talk about what God wasn't ashamed to create. Is that a good quote? Uh, this is something God created to be enjoyed in the right context. And outside of that context, it can be pretty messed up. So just a few quick quotes before we finish, actually. Um, so yeah, like we said, romance is God's idea. Uh, God created the two sexes and actually sex. And here is something, an acronym that Aaron and I came up with when we were talking about sex last year at one of the retreats. And sex in marriage is great. And the acronym for great is uh, obviously G-R-E-A-T. And it, it is, uh, G stands for grounded. So there's a foundation of commitment there, right? It's not just going to vanish. Uh, it's, R stands for respectful. And so there's freedom to be yourself and be respected by another person for who you are. And then you in turn can respect them for who they are. Uh, it's equal. That's another part of the acronym for E. It's equal. It's two individuals growing and learning together. It's not one-upmanship, it's not selfish, but it's equal. It's A, agape, love-centered, so it's unconditionally centered on each other, not yourself. And then T stands for time-enhanced. And that's true, sex gets better over time as you grow together with the person you're married to. So it's grounded, respectful, equal, agape, centered, and time-enhanced, so it's great. Uh, sex outside of marriage is awful, and that's the acronym for that goal. That works out. And check it out. Uh, a stands for ambiguous. So like in marriage, there's a foundation. Outside of marriage, there's not. There's no foundation. There's no commitment. It's full of insecurity, instability, and danger. Uh, instead of respectful, it's weary. It's performance-based. Right? Uh, if you screw up, you might get kicked out. Uh, actually, Aaron and I, before our kids were born, we were eating dinner in the cafeteria one night just to meet students. And we were sitting across from this, this couple. And they, we didn't meet them yet. But they're talking with, the girl's talking with her friend. So she has her boyfriend on one side and her, her other friend on the other side. She's telling her other friend how terrible her boyfriend was in bed. I mean, it's no joke. Right? Like it's, like it's talking about, like they were talking about something in the news. Couldn't imagine what it was doing to that guy's heart, you know. And uh, that relationship, it's weird. It's performance-based acceptance, whereas in marriage, it's respectful. The outside of marriage, it's factional. It's two individuals seeking their own ends arguing and misunderstanding each other instead of two equals. Right? Uh, it's ungenerous instead of agape love-centered. Uh, that's the you. It's selfish and conditional. And then finally, instead of being time-enhanced like in marriage, it's lost time. right? Because there are lots of relationships that steal years from the awesome sex life that God has created for us to have. So I want to close this all out by reading God's vision for sex and marriage. Okay, Proverbs 5, 15 through 20. 
Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, if you're not too sure what he's talking about, he's basically saying, have sex with your wife and enjoy her. Uh, let them be yours alone, never be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? So again, we see God's heart there, that this is supposed to be satisfying, awesome, and great. And um, to be enjoyed in the context that he gave it to us for. So that's all. I think you guys liking this? Being able to like, go through these filters and see kind of what's going on. Next week, we're going to be looking at postmodernism and uh, the idea that truth is relative and all that. And of course, we all think, oh, I know the answer to that. But it'll be neat to get into scripture and really confront some of the lies that you get told every single week on campus, right? So let's just close it out and pray. Jake, will we pray for us? Absolutely. Cool. Uh, God, I just thank you so much for your word and how it guides us and uh, helps us to navigate through life and those questions. Uh, thank you so much that uh, we're able to dig into it and uh, really see what it says about this issue. Uh, God, I uh, thank you for this whole group. Um, just how we're um, born on the Lord, just uh, stepping up and up. Uh, Faith, Lord, to grow closer to you. I pray that we would all continue to do that. Uh, Lord, I thank you. Uh, it's your I pray. Amen. Amen. Have a good week.